Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I need a little bit of energy here this morning because I am warm and... Um... I don't know, just need to wake up a little bit, so let's do that. Participation this morning, need a lot of amens and like all that stuff, I'm kidding, just be comfortable. We're so glad that you're here. If this is your first time here at Engage Church, um, let me actually start this out by saying, if you were at the Rhubarb Festival yesterday and there was a little blonde kid about six years old and he was shoving Engage cards in your face, I apologize, that was my son, he did a great job, but if he guilted you into being here... We're glad you're here, but that's not what was intended to happen, okay? Well, let's be honest. Yeah, it was. We wanted you to get here. So, no, man, that little guy, I was, like, apologizing about him all day long. He was just, like, shoving cards in people's face, and they're, like, grabbing him, like, okay, a little pushy, but we're working on him. He's good. He's uh, he's out there. So, yeah, just glad that you're here. I'm really excited about the series that we're in. You know, we, we call them series. We just kind of stay on maybe a topic for four or five weeks, sometimes three, whatever. And we just, uh, we try to see what God uh, has for us. We love to put the lessons that uh, we learn through Scripture practically into our life because that's where life change happens, right? I mean, our goal here is that, that we're changed, that, that we, we realize that God loves us right where we're at in our darkest hour. But he just doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He, his, his intention is that we grow and that we grow closer to him. And so the last couple of weeks have been really awesome. And um, I will say this, I'll just be honest with you. When, you. when you don't come on a Sunday, you do miss a lot. I mean, that's just true. And that's not like a guilty feeling or anything because, hey, it's summer out and we have families. We got a lot going on. Um, you do miss a lot. It, it's worth being here. I just want to say that. I really believe that. I believe there's something special on a Sunday morning when we all come together and worship. And, um, and so I just, I love the commitment out of you guys. Um, but you also don't have to be here every week to understand what we're talking about. And that's what's really cool about the way that we do our messages. So we started off the first week and we were talking about this man named Elisha. Not to be confused with Elijah, and I know that that's kind of hard even when I'm saying it. I mess it up once in a while. But Elisha was a gentleman that he, he kind of had this job that was just tedious. He would be out in the fields, and he's walking behind oxen all day long, every single day, all day, all day, and he's plowing. And so he basically got to see the backside of cows, we'll say, all day long. I can't imagine that was the greatest job. But all of a sudden, Elisha, uh, or Elijah, I'm sorry, comes along, and, and Elijah ends up burning his plow, burning his plow, saying, forget this, Elijah just came along, and I'm going to follow this man, because he understood that this was a man of God, it was somebody that he could learn something from, um, he, he was just excited. He didn't have to pray about his options, he didn't have to do a pros and cons, he was already prepared in his heart, in his mind, to move when God asked him to move. And that's kind of the challenge that we want to get to in this group of lessons that we're learning from Elisha, is that we just want to ha- it's time for us to do some ridiculous things with our faith. It's time for us to move forward. I feel God tugging on everybody's heart. You don't have to tell me the stories. I'm hearing all kinds of them. But I just believe that it is time for us to get ridiculous about our faith and move. 
And just, even when it doesn't always make sense, just trust in God. Now, I'm not suggesting that we, you know, give up everything we have and move. I mean, maybe that's something God's asking you to do. But some of us, it's just making one step committed closer to Christ. That maybe we're going to open up God's word and we're just going to read a verse out of there every day or once a week. Or maybe it's to reconnect in some relationships. Maybe for some of us that have been coming, you know, like once in a while to a Sunday morning experience, we just feel that God's saying, you know, there's something positive that happens here and there's something that, that does happen as I'm here. And maybe you just need to commit to one or two more times. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there, uh, planting some seeds, and, and I know God's moving. So this Elijah is really teaching us to have some ridiculous faith and live that out. Today, my prayer is, as we go into the message, is I really, uh, my prayer is for the ones here, and I got to believe I'm not the only one, but the ones here that just feel overwhelmed, Okay, just, just overwhelmed in life. There, there's all kinds of things that can overwhelm us. I mean, so many responsibilities, right? Um, man, you know, even my wife and I, we, our daughter's going to turn eight years old, which we're like mind-blowing, but we have two other kids below that, and we've just been talking about, like, even over the last couple weeks of, like, we're just realizing, like, how much responsibility we actually have. <laughs> you know, it's like we should have figured that out eight years ago, but um, we're kind of figuring that out now and it's just crazy it's like wow like you know we we really don't just get to do everything we want to do like we now have other people involved in our lives and and we have to center that around there so a lot of you guys understand about that of like being overwhelmed some of us you know there's just challenges everywhere some of us we can just be overwhelmed by going on social media there's so much temptation and and small things that are on there and it pulls us in one direction or the other i mean it's a simple thing like that and it it gets us kind of overwhelmed others are having uh, uh struggles in their relationships or or maybe like through their jobs what Whatever it is, is that this is my prayer today, is that it would talk to the people that just feel like they're living life right now on empty, that their tank's just a little bit drained, that their faith is just a little bit drained, that they're just overwhelmed. This is really where I want to go. I, I was, um, uh, there, there's so many stories right now. I, I think of a family in, in our church and they're, they're newly married in the last couple of years and they have all these kids and they have a new home and, and they're, they're trying to figure out how the bills work and then the kids have sports and, and uh, they're both working other jobs and they're, they're really struggling with time to be able to see each other and build their relationship. You know, these are real overwhelming situations that happen in life. Uh, another, another gentleman, you know, has worked for 25 years and all of a sudden, boom, it's just cut off because the, the business gets sold to somebody else and and now you're just kind of out on this limb like um what just happened here right um i know that my my wife and i i can share this and she can throw something at me later but like we are in the middle of with our son it's like uh, he's such a great compassionate kid I, i've never seen compassion like i've seen in my son josh and i'm not saying that because he's just my son compassionate kid but he's a boy and we're like we're just I don't know what it is, even me being a male, there's something different about raising a boy and there's some things that are coming up and we're like, how do we handle this situation? Like this needs to be dealt with and he needs to be guided and, and we're not altogether sure what we do and, and that can feel overwhelming. I know when I was a youth pastor, I know this has got to be real for some in here, uh, maybe we don't have a lot of teens here this morning, but I had this girl that was a teen, this just broke my heart and I didn't even all the way understand it, but her mom and dad were getting a divorce and they were putting the pressure on her to decide who she was going to live with 
And she's like, Pastor Josh, I can't do this. It's too much pressure. I'm like, oh man, like this is who the message is for this morning. The overwhelmed. Look, we don't have to come to church and feel bad about our life situation, but the reality of it is, is that in this life, we have trouble. This is not an easy life to get through. And we need some practical ways. We need to see some lessons of how we can go through rough circumstances. Because there's no one, two, three step to have everything go perfect in life. I know you guys have seen the YouTube videos that try to sell you something like that. But life is going to keep coming. There's high top, there's high mountain times, and there's valleys. But guess what? That's why we have a man named Jesus Christ so we can put our faith and our trust in. And even when circumstances are rough, we can stand proud, we can stand firm, and we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we say rejoice. This man is faithful, he's graceful, and he loves you. And so you are in the right place this morning. Boy, we could probably just go home right after that. Jesus is just awesome. Wow. Again, participation here this morning. We can clap, we can sing, we can just sit there too. If you guys have uh, phones and you want to go on the Bible app, there's a good Bible app called YouVersion. Uh, you can download that. That has nothing to do with Engaged Church, but there you go. It's just an easy way to look at the Bible on your phone. You can even get reading plans on there. I encourage you to go along. If you guys have your physical Bible, I don't do that because being a mobile church, I just put everything on my handy-dandy iPad here. Um, so that's, that's what I do. Um, but whatever way you want, if you don't have anything with you, we have the scripture up here. And so we're just going to start in in 2 Kings 4, 1 and 2. And it goes a little bit like this. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. He feared the Lord. He lived for the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I think that's an odd question, but anyhow. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, just a little bit of, uh, into this passage here, just unpack it just a touch so you guys know. Nobody's really sure 100% on the prophet, that the husband that died, what the name is, okay? Not 100% sure, but in Jewish tradition, there's a lot of things that point to this, and it points to a man named um, Obadiah, okay? Fun names back in the day. We got to start doing that around here just to laugh at people, but Obadiah, okay? This is the guy's name. Sorry if any Obadiahs are out there. Um, but Obadiah was this guy's name, and it would make sense that that this woman was uh, not really having anything as far as money goes, that she was broke and she was scared. Because what happened with prophets, uh, well, this particular prophet, Obadiah, is actually he supported 50 other prophets. And it was very common for prophets in the Old Testament times to be broke and not really doing well because they were highly persecuted against they were constantly on the run and people weren't like looking to hire prophets right and so they kind of had to look out for each other this wasn't a, a profession if you will uh, that you got into to to make a lot of money and I, I don't think they had like stock markets and stuff like that to invest in back in the day there but so th it would it would make sense um that, that this would be uh, a person that had very little, no money, and had debts out there. And so these creditors, which is pretty incredible to what we understand as creditors, they would actually come to these people's homes after they'd pass away, and they'd look for their sons, and they'd take them as slaves and say, well, these guys are going to have to work off their dad's debt. How about that for paying some money back, right? 
So this is kind of the, the reality of the, where this woman was. So she's, she's grieving. I mean, this is like a deep grieve that she has. She just lost her husband. Now her bills are stacking up and they're, they're going even deeper and deeper into debt. Not to mention that she's unemployed and her sons are getting ready to ta- get taken. So humanly speaking, she pretty much has almost no hope. This is kind of the situation that she's in. I mean, back in these times, women, they had all of their um, support came through the husband. I mean, when their husbands died, it was like if their sons couldn't help out, they were really in trouble. And so this is where this woman is. I mean, big time, big time issues going on. Almost no hope. It kind of makes our little grievances at times throughout the week um, seem a little bit smaller. For instance, you know, like your GPS doesn't take you to the right place, and it's just like, ah, you know, uh, it doesn't seem like so big. And a big one that gets me all the time, and I understand when you have a meltdown in this, when you're in the restaurant and you say, I just want a little bit of blue cheese crumbs, but they like kind of devour the whole salad, that's like a big, big no-no, right? I mean, like, that's time to grieve. Obviously, I'm kidding. My wife's shaking her head back there. Um, but, you know, the, the, where this woman was at... Uh, where this woman was at is that her sons were getting ready to be taken. It, it, who, who really cares about money at that time, right? I mean, her sons are getting ready to be taken. But the reality of it is, is, you know, the GPS and the blue cheese, that was obviously just a joke. And, and I don't know, maybe you do really struggle with that. But that was kind of just a joke. And those are small things. The reality of it is, there's many of us in here today that have big things going on. Big things going on. You know, marriage. This is a huge one. I know we talk about this a lot, but our marriages are just not where they need to be. We're not communicating. They're, they're feeling like we're at a, a distance, some of us. And this is really grieving us. Some of us, the relationships have been broken around us of, of close friends and family, and we're just trying to sift through that and see what that is, and it's, it's breaking our heart like we, we, we're not where we want to be with that. Some of us are severely struggling with what we're going to do for a career or where we're, what direction we're going in school and, and where God has us going down that. Some of us are parents for the first time or like me and my wife, been eight years and we're just starting to like figure out that we need to take it serious or something, you know. Um, we have things going on. We have things that sometimes bring us to where we feel like we have no hope especially things like health, like cancers and and other diseases that we just don't understand. We can feel very hopeless in human standards. And what I want to remind us of today, where I want us to go for the next few minutes, is that I want us to understand when we don't have what we really want, God is what we really need. When we don't have what we really want, God is what we really need. Now, I know you came to a church service this morning, and that sounds like, well, of course the pastor is going to say something like that. But that is a truth that if you will wrap your heart around, it will change your life forever. And we're going to learn a little bit of this as we go on, because what's interesting is this lady says, you know, I have nothing. I need your help. My husband died. My sons are getting ready to be taken. And, and he's like, what do you have in your home? She's like, I got nothing. So this woman comes to him and just is like, I got nothing. How does Elisha respond? Elisha doesn't say like, well, man, you know, that seems like a rough day. Um, I'll be thinking about you. And if I hear of anything coming up, I'll, I'll come back and I'll talk to you. He doesn't respond that way. You know, he, he doesn't say like, well, I, I hope luck changes for you. And um, boy, that's rough. Wouldn't want to be in your situation. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. I really got twisted up there. Um, he doesn't do that. 
how he responds, we see in verse 2, it says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? And she replies, your servant has nothing at all. Because Elijah's response was, I want to be there on the front lines with you. I'm not exactly sure what I can do about your situation, but I want to know a little bit more of how I can help. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to be thinking about you. You don't want to know what I want in my corner for me and my family? I want people to come up and look me in the eye and genuinely say, Pastor, what's, what's going on? Or Josh, what's happening with you? And I say, man, I, we're really trying to figure out just raising a boy and raising kids. And there's, there's no major thing happening here. There's no, no uh, major thing at all. But we just got to figure that out. And I want somebody to look me in the eye and not just say, well, man, we'll be thinking about you there or, or read this book. I want them to say, we'll be praying for you. We're in the corner with you. We're in the foxhole with you. We're locking arms with you in this thing. And that's really what I see Elijah doing. See, he, I don't think he really knew exactly what to do in this situation, which is where we're, we all are a lot of times. I mean, these overwhelming situations, boy, who has the answers, right? That's tough. But his response was, I'm going to take it as far as I can. I want to serve you. And let me ask you, those coming to engage for some time now, doesn't that sound like the direction that this local church wants to go? Yeah. And let me take that a little bit farther. Doesn't that sound what, like what Jesus had for his global church yeah. that we are all connected in? Yeah. Is instead of being passive, that we, we care enough to just ask a, one more question, to just accept one more person, embrace one more person in hopes that they get pointed to Jesus Christ who convicts the heart, changes their life forever. Yeah. I mean, this is what, where it's at. Yeah. And so Elijah responds, how can I help you? And it was genuine. But see, this woman, this woman was in her circumstances. And a lot of times where the enemy will have us, where Satan will have us, is he'll just have us focusing on our problems. This is where a lot of us live week to week. Even the ones who say that Jesus is the Lord of our life. We live here. we got to break this. We live in that area where, where we focus so much on our problems and we forget about what we actually have. We focus, and this is what this lady did. All she could think about is what she didn't have. I don't have a husband. And for her at this time, that meant everything. That meant everything. Okay, that was like the way that she ate. That was the way that income came in. That was her support. And now that's gone, and everything's gone. So when she says she doesn't have a husband, that meant a whole lot of other things as well. And all she could focus on was that. A lot of us in here would say, you know, we focus on the fact that we don't have a lot of money. That, that's just where our mind goes constantly. We're thinking about that all the time. Not saying that's a bad thing to be thinking about. I mean, money is close to oxygen these days. Like, you need a little bit of it. I would like some more of it. I think we could all say that. Money is kind of an important thing, especially in our culture. I understand that. But, but we, we just focus on that, that we don't have it. We don't have it. We don't have it. And all this stuff starts welling up inside. Some of us, you know, it's like, no, I don't have a nice house. I can't, I can't host a grow group because the Holy Spirit doesn't move unless you have some, like, really nice granite so he can, like, kind of move on top of those countertops. You know what I mean? Like, we kind of think these silly thoughts. We start focusing on what we don't have. We buy into the lies that get spit out at us in our culture, and we think that we have to, to be a certain way. We start comparing. And again, this lady goes back. Some of us, you know, we, we, we just continue, continue to live that way of thinking of what we don't have. 
And I want to say this. I will, I will guess, I don't know this for a fact, but I would say most of us in here, let, let's just say that we're probably in the income range. We're probably average. And I don't know that. I'm just throwing that in general. We probably are. And so I don't think any of us in here can just be like, yeah, we just live this lavish life where like that is just not a concern for us. A lot of us go down here, and this is not a sermon about funds or anything, but, but people get funny about money, and it rattles us. It keeps us from God at times. And so I just want to talk about that for a minute. And, and we can have this idea that we don't have much. We put that uh, identity sometimes around that and what we have. So what do we do? What do we do when we don't have much? What do we do? We stop waiting for what you want, and you start working with what you have. That is so good right there. I'm going to say it one more time because I'm excited about that. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. We learned this from Elijah here in 2 Kings 4 2. It says, your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And some of us in here would be like, okay, yeah, olive oil, cool, Josh. I mean, I got some of that in my cupboard at home. What you got to understand is that this time, that was actually something pretty significant because it was used for all kinds of things. Olive oil was used for cooking, which is, you know, that's a good thing. It's used, it it has value, and we still use that today. Um, It was used for burning lamps. That was a good thing, provided light for them, right? Um, It was actually, in some ways, um, a type of medicine, and and, uh, I think it was mixed with other things, so they used that in medicine. It was a moisturizer, because they didn't have bed, bath, or bath and body works, or whatever that was. You know, they rubbed that on their face, and and uh, they probably got a lot of sunburns that way, but it was like a moisturizer, you know, kind of thing. Um, they would use that on their leather to keep their leather from uh, aging, all, all kinds of things. I mean, this, they'd use it uh, for iron to keep it from rusting. They'd use it for offering to God. I mean, that was a big part of worship and anointing people. I mean, olive oil was valuable, it wasn't just something that you put on your, uh, you know, broccoli or something like that in the frying pan. I mean, this, this thing had value. And what's really cool that we're going to see here in a minute is that God takes this little jar of olive oil and he just does a lot with it. And I want to tell you here today, when you don't feel like you have much, when you don't feel like you have much, I want to say that I am so grateful to serve a God that can do a whole lot with a very little. And we've seen it time and time again, and we will continue to see that in this story. Because we serve a God that takes a little and makes it a lot. We have stories like there was 5,000 men, not counting women and children. I don't know why they didn't record that. But you got to think there was women and children. And they were all gathered in this one place, right? And their bellies were hungry. And here Jesus is, and there's no food around. His disciples, his closest friends were looking at Jesus like, dude, I'm just telling you, people are going to go crazy here. We're gonna ha- it's going to go nuts. we got like Woodstock happening. People are hungry. There's no food around. What are we going to do? We need to send them to the nearest town. He says, are you kidding me? He's like, uh, we got a little bit of food over here. Go grab those five loaves and those two fish. And I know this stuff blows our mind. This is reality of what happened. He starts telling his disciples to pass that around. He starts telling his disciples to pass the five loaves and the two fish, this little bit among you know, over 5,000 people. And everybody had their fill and some. There was 12 baskets left over. 
I know that blows our mind, but we serve a God that can do a whole lot with a very little. And you guys don't look like you're too convinced, so we'll talk about this. There was a, a man, a little red-headed skinny guy, right? Just this little dude that was all this nice, compassionate guy that, that would herd sheep for his whole life. He wasn't a warrior. And this nine-foot-tall giant, nine-foot-tall, that had armor weighing about as much as me or more, well, these days probably a little less than me, but I mean, weighing a whole lot, this man was crazy awesome, taunting an entire army of Israel for days upon days upon days. And this little guy comes out with a little stone. He's like, I'm pretty good with a sling. He starts twirling around in the name of, Jesus, or in the name of God and swings this sling, hits him right in the forehead, drops him, and then it gets kind of gory. He cuts his head off and boom, goes and gives it to his king. We serve a God that can do a whole lot with a very little. When we don't feel like we have much, remember who we serve. In fact, God's word says that when we have little faith, See, I, I told you that today was about the overwhelmed, the ones that feel like they have little faith. You have so much more than you think. Because if you came in here with faith the size of a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, God says that faith, you can look at a mountain and tell that to move into the sea and it will happen because you've asked. A whole little bit of faith can do a whole lot of things. We serve a God that can do that. It's exciting to know. So stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Okay, that's just the, this the last thought that I, I want us to leave on is offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. I mean, this is a God, like we said, here's some loaves of bread and a couple fish. Here's a little tiny stone and a big old giant, right? This is God that, especially the ones in here that have been following Christ, I don't, I don't think that I need to continue on, but remember what he's done for you in the past. And he's with you in the present. He's going to continue to be with you. Even those circumstances, like I said, mountaintops and valleys, right? I mean, that's life. In this life, you will have trouble. Jesus promises that. Things are going to come up. But remember and be faithful of where he's been with you and how he's stayed along with you, that he will continue that faithfulness. Last week we talked about one, one uh, topic and we said that God says, show me your faith so that I can show you my faithfulness. If we came in here with a little bit of faith, small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains with that. You have power in you right now with that little bit of faith. I want you to know that this morning. And so offer God what you have. Offer him that mustard seed of faith and trust him to give you what you need. I've had to be reminded of this, but I want to read this before we get into that. So uh, we look at 2 Kings 4, uh, 3 and through 7. It says, Elisha said, go around, he's talking to the lady here, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. He's like, hey, don't go small on this thing. I want you to go around to everybody, right? Don't ask for just a few, get a lot. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it on one side. That's interesting. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Interesting. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said, 
Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and your sons can live with what is left. Wow, what a story that is. See, a lot of us came in here maybe feeling like we're a little bit empty in life, right? Like we're kind of running on that, that, that empty that we talked about. Feeling like our faith is like a little bit low. We're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. But I want to tell you this here today. I want to tell you this here today. As long as we have an empty jar, God's going to fill it. As long as we have an empty jar, God's going to fill it. In, in other words, we are the empty jars. And here's the crazy thing about this. He says, don't just stop at a little, Elijah did. In the empty jars, it didn't matter what color it was. It didn't matter the shape, the size. Some were milk jars, some were honey jars, some were coffee mugs, you know, a butter tub. God can use any size of vessel. The key is, is it has to be empty. Because what we are, when you look at uh, 2 Corinthians, this is not up here, um, but it's just a small little thing. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. See, we are the jars, and the oil is the Holy Spirit. When we empty ourselves, he fills us, even when it doesn't. So if you came in here with just a little bit, this is, this is a God that can fill that. But see, what we do is we go week to week. We'll, we'll come to a Sunday morning experience and we get all excited. But then life just hits us the minute we walk out that door. And, and, and we've been letting that win. We have to get ridiculous with our faith and start winning in our faith. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. That's why it's faith. It's not easy to trust. Man, our culture, every experience we've ever had shows us not to trust. This is what God wants for us because this is what happens is we're the jars, the, the, the uh, oil is the Holy Spirit. What we have a tendency to do is we have these jars and we'll come on a Sunday and we'll empty those jars. But then we walk right out that door and something in us forgets and we get, we get a little complacent and we start to fill those jars with ourselves. We start to fill those jars with pride, start to fill those jars with greed we start to fill those jars with doubt. We start to fill those, doubt, those, those jars with, with all kinds of different sins that well up in us. And we leave no room for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And so we come back maybe Sunday after Sunday or one or two Sundays a year and we feel like, why am I not being filled? Why am I not seeing the change? We have to empty our jars. We have to empty our jars. It doesn't matter who we are what we look like, shape, size, gender. Empty your jars and let the Holy Spirit do something in you. Let him do something in you. Anytime you put yourself, I want to share this last little thing here with you guys because I like to share stuff about myself. It just feels like, I don't know, I just can't preach this stuff without experiencing it. Sometimes that's a good thing and a bad thing. But the reality of it is, is that I'm a human being, okay? I know you guys know that, but one truth that I've learned is this, and I wrote it down because I really, really wanted to remember this, but anytime that you are put in a position, anytime you're put in a new position of leadership, okay, your insecurities always rise up first. It's never your confidence and what you're good at. It's like the minute you're put in this new position of leadership, your insecurities just boom, right to the surface. And I'm talking about, maybe the, maybe the leadership that I'm talking about is not like a CEO, but maybe it's just that you have come to know Jesus and you believe that he died for your sins and now you're leading yourself. And this is new for you. 
And all of a sudden, all these insecurities come around like, well, I don't really know if I can get into my Bible, and I don't really know if I can talk to people, and I don't really know if I can commit to church because la da 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 And all these things start to rip. Empty yourself and let the Holy Spirit fill you up. You're overwhelming yourself. It's one day at a time. It's one step at a time. But I encourage you to empty and, and take that step because he wants to fill it. And maybe it's maybe the, the leadership that I'm talking about is that we're parents for the first time. We, we just become parents and now we're leading these individuals and like just because you have a baby doesn't mean you know what you're doing. I, amen to that. I thought I'd get a lot more amens. Our insecurities always rise to the top first. And that's where the enemy just takes a foothold. He wants to drag us down. Scripture says that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal and destroy our comfort and our love for God. Ultimately, he wants us dead. Some of us, uh, you know, as, as I talk about that leadership thing, I, I have to be honest with you guys. And, and uh, you, there's no need to worry about here. One thing that I, I, I promise is that I will always tell you guys the truth. I, I, that's just what I'm, I'm committed to do. And I know that's an easy thing to say, but trust me in that. And so I'm going to share things about myself that are a little bit like, you know, it's, it could be dangerous at times because it shows some weakness. But in the first two years of this uh, church plant, this is the first time that I have led a church. I've been a next generations pastor. I've been, uh, I've been a, a guy that builds businesses and things like that and had tons of employees underneath me and things like that. So I knew how to manage, but I didn't really know how to lead people and navigate people to a direction. I'm still learning that. But when, when I came into this, there was these big ideas because I knew that I heard from God to come and plant this church in Duluth, Minnesota, and he showed favor over all of that. But as the years went by, the first couple years of this plant, there was things that came up that I, I wasn't sure how to handle. And it, it started to, to get all these insecurities to rise to the top until a few months ago when some things just changed in me and I realized that I had to empty my jar and let the Holy Spirit fill me up. Something shifted in me. And here's what I struggle with in the first couple years, and, and, and I, I got to say I'm free from this, okay? This is like real. This is free. And this is what can happen for you. Man, I felt so weak. And that's a hard thing because, you know, I, I don't like to be weak. It's a hard thing for guys. But I felt weak when we started this. Like I didn't have the energy to keep going. But as I emptied that weak feeling out, I realized that God and the Holy Spirit, he filled me with strength. And I became strong. I was so hungry. I, I was looking out the doors that time, and I remember counting cars and being like, oh man, there's only like four out there. What are we going to do with 12 people? Like, nobody's coming back here, right? I was just, I was hungry to see God bring people. And it became almost sinful that I was almost doubting what he could do on one Sunday morning like that. And when I was hungry, he became my bread of life. He started to just give me the courage to say, don't even look out there. What I have you doing is right here. You be obedient to that. And in the same way, I was thirsty. I was thirsty for people to come up and rise up out of the harvest and be leaders and, and join this thing with me to where sometimes I feel like I became a salesman for Jesus. And I don't want to be a salesman for Jesus. He doesn't need me to be. He sells himself. 
And, and when I was thirsty, he became my living water. I emptied that tank, and it's just boiling up inside me. And then there was times of darkness where I doubted myself, I doubted the call, I doubted people around me that I loved dearly that were helping me succeed at this and accomplishing what God wanted. And in my darkness, he became my light. And at times when I lost my way and I forgot what I was even supposed to be doing, he became the way. And I will tell you this, when I was unstable, a little bit in my marriage and my parenting, and leading this church, God stayed faithful to his promise. And when I emptied out that unstableness and said, no more, just do what you want with me, God, he became my rock. And I will tell you that I don't battle with this stuff anymore. I don't battle with it. I'm not saying that today I don't battle with it. I'm saying I don't feel weak. I feel strong because of Jesus. I don't feel lost. I know exactly where we're going. He wants to change this city, and it starts with you. We have influences that he wants us to use, and I will use that until I don't have breath in my lungs. He wants me to be the husband that he called me to be, and he is my light in my family that helps guide the way each and every day. He wants to see something changed in you, and he wants me to speak truth through that. And he is that truth. This is exciting stuff that he has for us. But we have to come here today and realize that God is looking for some empty vessels. That's the only way. There's no way that I can convince you. I don't want to convince you. I want the Holy Spirit to move you. Would you guys stand with me here this morning? God is good. Boy, if you came in here with the faith of a mustard seed, rejoice because you serve a God that can do a whole lot with a little. Oh, I'm excited to see what God does, man. He's so good. It's just exciting. He's moving. I want to I do something today that we, we don't typically do. Uh, no, no worries here. We don't, we don't get weird, if you will. But I do want the opportunity. We're going to have some people standing over on this side after we're done. Um, we always stay around and, and we try to find three people that we've never met and just talk for the next 10 minutes. There's like coffee and everything. We, we love to be welcoming here. But if you want prayer today, if you just kind of need to empty that jar out so that the Holy Spirit can fill it, we don't have people that have a whole lot of answers. They're going to be a group of messy people over here. But they want to spend some time praying with you. And feel free to do that. You know, nobody's going to go over and wonder what you're talking about. And you don't even have to share everything with them. Maybe just say, just pray with me. Uh, but there's going to be some people over here. And so go ahead and do that as we finish. But, but I just want to pray right now with you guys if we can. So can we just, everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes. Just out of respect to people around you. I just want to ask a question before we go into this prayer. Boy, I'll tell you what, I needed my faith, uh, better yet, I needed my jar emptied. I mean, big time. I had so much stuff in there of fear and doubt and shame and just all kinds of messed up stuff that our minds let us go into. And, and maybe that's you here this morning. And I don't want you to come forward. I don't want to embarrass you. But every eye is closed in here and, 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 and nobody's really looking around. But there's something about just taking a stand. And if that's you today where you just know that your jar needs to be empty, would you just raise your hand where you're at? I just want to know that I can be praying for you. Hands everywhere this morning. That's great. Praise God. And so I'm just going to, you can put your hands down now. And, and that's what this prayer is really going to be for. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you're in that spot. And you're just, it, it's, I get it, Right? This is just between you and God. You don't have to show me anything. <laughs> but I just want to pray. Lord, we love you. 
it seems just kind of like an every week thing to say thank you for your word, but, but God, we are so grateful for your word that we can look at a story happened thousands of years ago. And it can teach us something here today about our faith. Lord, there's so much that I pray for this local church. There's so much I pray for this city. But today I just come and I just ask that we would be so courageous enough to empty our jars. We need you, Jesus. I don't want to go into a sermon and prayer, but man, I just, I just want to see people that are, are willing to start walking towards that direction you have, that, that life change, that, that really getting rid of that stuff and, and moving in a different direction, not just being okay with some of that pride in there. Like, oh, I emptied a little bit of that out, but there's a little bit. Of, get rid of it and let the Holy Spirit come in and free you. That's my prayer today. So that people will have freedom, the kind of freedom that I experience, the kind of freedom that we can't tug anybody's arm and yank them in, and, and God, you won't do that either, but just that genuine freedom. Lord, I pray that as we are uh, in that, it, it's intense, and, and we all deal with a lot of different things, and as we do empty our jars today, as we walk out, that, that we'll just be reminded this week, if only we just remember the name of the Holy Spirit. Just Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm just praying that we be courageous enough to allow you do what you do. Zechariah says, do not despise these small beginnings. The Lord is just pleased that the work has begun. And so thank you for the work that's begun here today, Lord. We know that you're smiling. And if that's all that somebody needed to come here today to hear is that God is smiling on you, understand that that's true. He's working in your heart. He's working in your life and he loves you dearly. He loves you right where you're at. He never wants to leave you where you're at. He's taking you somewhere. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth on Facebook and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya.